Hey, if you want to listen to the full Burt Show every day, uninterrupted, we got no ads on that thing. All you have to do is become a bonus BS subscriber. That's bonus Burt Show. Find out more at thebirtshow.com slash bonus BS. The Burt Show. So Abby asked me a question first thing this morning, which up until a couple of days ago was a very easy question to answer. And that is, what are you doing this weekend? And when I had my 16-year-old Hollis with me on those weekends, it was no problem. I knew exactly what I was going to be doing because he's with me. Uh, I knew his schedule. Uh, I knew where we were going to be going. I would plan things. Well, he just got his driver's license on Tuesday. This is my first weekend with him while he has his driver's license. I don't even know if I'm going to see him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I have no idea what oh, he, he's up to. So it used to be like Friday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. Here's what we'll do. And I know he's got a football game tonight that he's driving himself to. No. Oh. Driving himself after. And then Saturday's hanging out with some friends that he's going to go meet in his car <laughs> and then drive home. And then Sunday, I, I don't, maybe that's my day with him. So I don't know anymore. Well, it's impossible. I mean, <laughs> you're still the parent. You can dictate a little bit, right? Like, hey, if you're going to go hang out because of, you know, your custody arrangement, hey, you can go to the football game Friday. You can hang out with your friends Saturday, but Sunday is yeah. designated dad time. Yeah, and, and he would understand that. 100. He's not a jerk like that yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've hung out with him. He's a good kid. He's a very good and kid. And you guys have a really good relationship, and it seems yeah. like he genuinely enjoys hanging out with his dad. Or he just, I mean, is a fantastic actor, which <laughs> I would respect. Also, but yeah, um, he does get that. And but you know when you have that new freedom, and he oh, and yeah. I, I feel like yes. he and I have been talking about this for a year, and I built it up also because I will, I will never forget my first drive alone in my own car. I just felt like I was living in San Diego. I felt like I could drive to Hawaii. Now that's hard to do. Yeah, there's there's some water there. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that intoxicating feeling of just feeling so alive. So I've been preaching that to him now for over a year and a half, and now he's got his license, and he's taking advantage of that conversation. (laughs) I think he's feeling it. Do you remember the first time you drove by yourself? I have no recollection. Really? No, uh uh-uh. I mean, I got my, because my, um, I wasn't the best driver as far as learning goes. Didn't didn't your dad, like, put it off until you were, like, 26? You couldn't have 17. I waited. I really wanted to get it before my 17th birthday to say I got it when I was 16, but that didn't happen. So I was 17 when I got my driver's license. Um, Can I pause you there for just one second? Because there's got to be some stories here. Because your dad was driving with you in the car yes. and made the decision yes. that you weren't ready. Correct. So what did you hit? What did you do? What? I never hit anything. <laughs> the one specific incident, we were driving and I needed to switch lanes. And I was in the middle lane and I needed to get to the right lane so we could take a right to get back to the house. So I did, but I didn't look to see if there was anybody next to me. And I almost hit somebody and he yelled and it freaked me out. And I just stayed in that lane and we just drove forever. And we, I can never get over to take a right to get home. <laughs> so we just kept driving <laughs> until eventually we turned around and came back and was able to get home. Started in Lexington, ended up in West Virginia before you could turn around. He was somewhere. <laughs> and we got home and we parked and we walked into the house and he didn't say anything and I didn't say anything. And mom was like, how did it go? And 
and needless to say, it just took a while for them to trust me to get my license. <laughs> there had to be more than that, just one infraction. I may have been backing out of the driveway with a, a, a friend of the family was in the car with me. <laughs> and we're, it was like a steep driveway, right? So we're rolling down the driveway and we get to the bottom and it's not rolling anymore, right? I'm in reverse, but it's not going anymore. And I look at Grant and I go, why isn't that? I don't know what to do. Why, why are we not moving anymore? And he's oh, like. That's when you get out the car. He's, <laughs> he's like, because you have to press the gas. <laughs> <laughs> but those are all like rookie mistakes, yeah, man. Yeah, I guess they just felt something in their gut that <laughs> was. And then after I got my license, I hit like four things. So they were right, but oh, whatever. Okay. Oh, all right, there we have it. There we have it. But okay. the cop hit me. I did not hit the cop. The cop. The FYI, yes. Whoa. The yeah. cop hit you. The cop hit me. Oh, do tell. Okay, so I was, <laughs> I didn't know we, were, we had so many stories, oh, but man. let's go. I've, yeah, I hit a lot of things. Um, so I was hungry. I went to Fazoli's because it's, you know, it's not fast food. It's real food fast. <laughs> <laughs> Love their breadsticks. Yeah, right? And so I'm pulling out of the, um, I'm pulling out of the Fazoli's parking lot. So there's like, it's weird because there's a, the Fazoli's parking lot's here and there's another road that's literally right here next to it. And that's where the cop was coming out. And he and I are turning on the same street basically at the same time. And I turn out and then he turns out and he hit me. I may have pulled out into his lane a little bit, (laughs) right? So we had to wait for the cops to come for the cop. Um, but wow. they didn't find that I was not, I was not found at fault. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Apparently right. he had wow. hit a couple it, that, that wasn't his first accident. Okay. Oh, is that right? Yes. <laughs> the one driver in Lexington that was worse than you was a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. Abby, first time you drove by yourself. I remember it so clearly. Mm-hmm. So yeah. my best friend Megan was sick from school that day. So I thought on my first day of having my license, I'm going to bring her a little treat and I got to say, as someone who didn't do drugs in high school, like this was the closest to getting high I was going to get. Like that high of being free and being by yourself. So I remember I drove myself up to the TCBY next to the Publix that I used to frequent and I got her a smoothie, drove my little butt over to her neighborhood about 10 minutes down the road, parked in her car or parked in her driveway. And I was like, I can't wait to get out. She's going to be so excited. She's like, where's your mom? Nowhere to be found because I'm by myself. (laughs) Hop out of the car, give her the smoothie and then drove back home. It was amazing. (laughs) Now, Mo doesn't have a car, but you have a license and you have driven by yourself. Yes, I I stopped having a car in my 30s. But for some (laughs) reason, people think I've never had a car because of that. (laughs) But yeah, no, I I drove for 15 years. Uh, My first car, it was an 88. Toyota, I remember it like it was yesterday. I treated her like she was a brand new Ferrari. Though. <laughs> and uh, the first place I ever went was to a party. I remember it clearly. Um, I even remember it was at a time when 50 Cent's Get Rich or Die Trying came out, and that's what everybody was listening to. So the windows had to be down. The music was loud. I was mm-hmm. going places for no reason just uh-huh. to go. And I, I even remember being so afraid of the highway, similar to your story, Kristen, where I would miss exits on purpose because I just I didn't want to get over. I was like, I'll, mm-hmm. I'll get over when I can. <laughs> but I, I I remember wanting to drive everywhere to the point where now it's funny that I don't like driving at all. Is that right? Mm-hmm. At some point uh, or another, the last couple of days, well, Hollis put it together and he's like, wait a second. So if I had the money, I could drive to Arizona? And I'm like, yeah, you could drive to Arizona. And he's like, wow. And I'm like, what's in Arizona? He's like, nothing. It just seems like I could drive anywhere. (laughs) I could cross state lines? Yes, you can. So I don't know when I'm going to see him again. So that's the (laughs) long answer to a a short question. Okay. 
The Burt Show. All right, the email is, she loves this guy, really digs him, except there's one big old problem. He is broke, 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 broke. So what does she do about it? Mo's got the email. Hello, Burt Show. I live in Ontario, Canada. Came across your show on Facebook during COVID and have been listening ever since. You guys are so funny and smart and each bring something special to the show. You are sure you're listening to The Burt Show. <laughs> <laughs> Love y'all. So let me get down to it, as I need some advice. I'm 28, and I've been dating my current boyfriend, who was 29, for the past 10 months. I met him after getting out of a seven-year relationship that I was completely miserable in. I can honestly say I've never been so happy in my life. I love him so much. He treats me like a queen and is everything I ever wanted in a partner. Over the past two months, though, he has been going through a very hard time. He had to move out of his apartment last minute, and he does not have family to help him out. So he has been staying with friends until he can get back on his feet. You might be thinking, why can't he afford a place of his own? First, he was in a serious motorcycle accident when he was 13. He ended up shattering his leg and has been living off disability since he was 18. He actually has a permanent limp, and this has a genuine impact on him working as he does renovations. Second, rent is stupid expensive and almost impossible to live on your own. We've talked about him doing maybe a desk job, but he doesn't have those skills as he's been doing trades his whole life. We plan on getting a place together down the road, but I don't want to move in until he has con- constant, consistent money coming in. Aside from disability, one thing I love about him, that he has goals, works really hard, and wants better for himself. If he was content with his situation and had no drive, I would completely be turned off. He never mooches off me. We split the bill, and we can, when we can, and he always pays me back. So I never feel like he's taking advantage. But the thing is, I have a full-time 9-to-5 job with consistent income. I just moved back with my parents, so I'm saving as much as I can. Whereas my boyfriend works here and there and is barely getting by on disability checks. $1,200 a month. He basically lives off the money he gets and has nothing left to put away. So my question is, what should I do? I love my boyfriend and don't want to break up. But money is important to me, as I want to live comfortably. I don't need to live lavishly. I don't expect him to pay for me or get fancy gifts. I love him for him. But I've also been in a relationship where money became a huge issue and I was taken advantage of. I know a couple, I know as a couple you should be there when things get hard, but I'm also close to 30 and want some structure. I still live at home, so I shouldn't be talking too much, but I just don't want to waste my time. But I also have never loved someone like I love him, so I'm torn. Birdshell, please help or give advice if you've been in a similar situation. All the best. Mm-hmm. For me here, I'm... <laughs> uh, I'm going to be a little calculated in my answer, so you guys go first. For me here, um, I, I feel like you're really going to regret it if you dump this guy because you're stressed about money right now. That being said, like I know the number one thing when it comes to divorce is usually finances, so you got to figure that out before you move in and with each other, which of course you already know. I think if you get some kind of physical representation of what he needs to be making in order for you guys to move in, I feel like that's going to make the most sense. Like, for example, if you want to get a house before you two move in together, why don't you find some houses on Zillow and print them out and say, hey, this is my goal for us to be able to afford in the next one, two, three years or whatever. How can we both get there financially? This is where I'm going to be. Where can you get, um, where can you be so that we can both afford this together? So I live this minus the limp and disability. However, my <laughs> husband does have a nub. I'm just saying, because he cut off half a finger. Um, and I, 
I don't know. And I'm trying to put myself back there because it was a long time ago. Like we met 17 years ago and that is a, like a substantial amount of time and people misremember and I understand that, but I don't ever recall being um, put off by his lack of employment or lack of money. And I don't know what this says about me, but it's because I always knew I could provide for the both of us. So maybe if she was in more of a stable situation herself, because they are both kind of up in the air right now, I can understand how that would be disorienting and um, you would be hesitant in moving forward in the relationship. But for me, dating somebody who did not have a consistent job, but I saw so much potential, treated me like a queen, brought everything else to the table minus, you know, money. Um, That was just... It, it was just, it was at the bottom of my priority list. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a couple of strong feelings about this. First of all, I think that you knew that if you were going to be the provider, that Bart was going to have his roles and he was going to provide in different areas that weren't financial. So it was an equal relationship. Totally. Always has been. That is a hundred percent where you have to go if one isn't working. The second thing I would say here is... Um, Look, this is important to you to have money and for him to have a job to be able to provide financially. Don't go off of his potential. I would say at some point or another, he has to show you what he really is. You are hoping because you love him so much that this is part of him. But this might be him in theory of himself, but not really what he's all about. I wouldn't rush into this relationship if that's important to you. Somebody once said on the show, and I don't remember who, but you have to look, and it might have been Cassie, you have to look at your partner. And if your partner, if this is as good as it gets, as far as like, you know, you're, you got to put potential aside. This is where they are for the rest of your life. Are you going to be okay with that? Or are you going to be happy mm-hmm. with that? Yeah, I'm kind of torn on what kind of advice to give, but I do agree with Bert. I mean, if it's me, it's a no-brainer. If I feel like this is my person and I feel like they make me feel like I've never felt, and I that to me would be more important. And I just have faith in myself that we'll find a way. We will work this out. But at the same time, if you already have those feelings of I love this person, but I want to be with this person, but then maybe you're right and you should accept mm. it for where it is and find a way to move on. The Burt Show. Time to get buzzed on the hot goss from Hollywood with Abby. It's the Burt Show's entertainment buzz. SAG after says, don't dress up like these characters for Halloween in support of the strike. Now, I'm sure you're thinking, a couple weeks ago, didn't we say that the strike was over? Well, apparently not anymore. So on October 11th, uh, AMPTP announced that it suspended conversations with the actors union. It says that the deal that they came to a conclusion on, basically the revenue share for the actors is completely unreasonable. It would cause studios to lose over 800 million a year and create a complete economic burden. Now, of course, SAG-AFTRA is coming out and saying that is inflated by about 60%. That's not true at all. So now some of the biggest actors like George Clooney, Emma Stone, Ben Affleck, Tyler Perry, and Scarlett Johansson are all willing to say, are, are all coming out and saying, we're willing to remove the cap on dues to the SAG-AFTRA union. So like some of the biggest top earners would pay more because obviously they're making more. And this would help generate about $150 million 
over the next three years. And they would also change up a residual structure. So again, like the top earners wouldn't make as much and it would basically be helping the little guy. So now we're just gonna, we gotta sit and wait and see what happens next. But the writer's strike is over, right? Yeah. Because that's different. Right. This is now just with the actors, yeah. Yeah, yeah this, maybe this is just the place that I'm in right now because I think we have to watch the news for our job more mm-hmm. than the average bear. But with everything else going on in the world, when I was reading this this morning, I'm like, I can't, I just <laughs> I have a hard time putting my heart into this story. Well, I mean, I it's obviously their livelihoods, but SAG-AFTRA actually released a list of characters they don't want us to dress up as, are like common folk to dress up as yeah. in support of the strike. Ah, uh, yes. So let me tell you which characters you are not allowed to <laughs> dress up as if you want to support this strike. I think we're already offenders, right? We yeah. are. 100% we're offenders. <laughs> yeah. But just because, I that is that not excessive? Well, yeah, let's hear what they are. Like let's yeah. hear what they are. Here, just, just give me an example of a character you would like to dress up as. Oh, I don't know. Um, Ken. No. <laughs> Can't? Nope. Not can't allowed do it. to. Not allowed to. Anything from the Barbie movie. Not yeah. allowed wow. to. Western Barbie. Nope. Weird Barbie. Nope. Um, rollerblading Barbie. Nope. <laughs> Cowboy King. Nope. Yeah, well, let's get off the Barbie movie. Give me another character. Superman. Okay. Nope. I mean, yeah, all the superheroes are off the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Literally any movie mm-hmm. that is a part of the a part of the union is off limits unless it's a part of a film that has complied with their demands or if it's an animated film. So they're basically saying, please dress up as something that's very generalized, like a ghost or a zombie no. or a spider. Like I get I get what they're trying to do. And I don't see, personally, I don't see how dressing up as a character from a movie is going to affect the strike in any way, shape or form. <laughs> Help it, hurt it, whatever. I am already going to be an offender this Halloween. So my, my son, who is two and a half, is dressing up as a dinosaur. And then my husband, I got an inflatable, so it's going to look, look like he's riding a dinosaur. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> and then I'm going to dress up as Laura Dern from Jurassic Park. Oh, no, you're not. Uh, uh, yes, I am. Not if you appreciate acting. I do appreciate acting, but I am not the actor or actress. You're not a true ally. I apparently well, not. And yeah. I, but I'm like I'm offended that they're offended that I'm being offensive, <laughs> <laughs> and that I'm being accused of not being an ally because I want to dress up as the chick from Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's a reach more than anything. Right. Else. Okay, really, so I'm not no, the only one no that feels like this is a reach. A lot. No one's got to think about this. Would you Nobody. change your costume for oh, this? I'm not dressing up for Halloween. I'm a real. I'm not dressing up as anything. I ain't taking any chances. I'm a true ally to Sagastra. Anybody. I can't be getting canceled for any reason. Okay, so uh, I read this really interesting article from People Magazine. Um, They did some reporting, as they often do, about why so many celebs are getting divorced. So they talked to some celebrity divorce attorneys that are not affiliated with any of the divorces that we have talked about that we know of, but they said some interesting things. They said they believe a couple of the reasons that celebs have been getting so divorced so often this year is for a few reasons. When two celebrities marry each other, even if it's varying degrees of celebrity and one is now finally getting work um, because, you know, the Mm -hmm. pandemic's over, one's changing diapers, not a good thing. They even mentioned something called vanilla divorces. And they basically said, you know, when you're a celeb, you get a prenup before you get married. And, you know, a couple of years goes by and things get boring or quote unquote vanilla. They just want out. But another thing that I thought they said was very interesting was um, 
they they put us into the shoes of celebrities. So like when you're a celeb and you're on set or when you're at a red carpet, you have people willing to bend over backwards for you. What do you, what do you need? Do you need water? Do you need a snack? And then you come home to someone who's a little indifferent about you. It doesn't go over well. <laughs> One of the tabloids got me good yesterday, man. Total clickbait. And it said... Um, Blake Shelton and Gwen Stefani preparing to spend time away from each other. And I'm like, what? They are not allowed to get divorced. No, love is dead. And it was just that he's going on the road and doing this honky-tonk tour. Yeah. And she's not going on tour with him. So it was just a matter of them spending time away. But the way it was framed was like they were divorcing. Not fair. <laughs> they, they did their job. Not fair. Yeah. No, she just got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, and he gave this beautiful speech mm. about her. So love is still alive. All right, will Taylor Swift have a role in an upcoming superhero flick? I'll tell you what the director is saying on your next eBuzz on The Burt Show. The Burt Show. We say all the time on the show, you learn the most from your failures. Yeah. And just because you fail doesn't mean you shouldn't try again. <laughs> we failed the first time, but this time... We're going to be successful in the Burt Show Mind Meld. I don't know why this specific game gives me so much anxiety. I don't either. It's a game. But I have been pushing it and pushing it and pushing it from the schedule for days, and Kristen just won't let it go. I won't. I called you out. Here's a little... So, like, here we go. We're going to pull back the curtain a little bit. I put the schedule together, and then throughout the show... Bert, he's just, I am a regimented person. He's a wee person. And so he just pushes things around. But I know him and I've worked with him long enough to know he has been purposefully pushing this segment because he doesn't want to do it because we failed last time. And I'm like, we're going to do it this time. I believe us. I believe in us. I have faith. I feel so exposed as a stupid person um, during this game okay. for whatever reason. But I, it has I feel nothing- like we were supposed to do this in August. <laughs> this has been a minute. Didn't we do this on your first day? Yeah. <laughs> Five years ago? Yes, that was it. All right, so here's the deal. If you're like, what the hell are y'all talking about? What is mind meld? So um, I saw this on Instagram. It's uh, it's with B and Ian with Jordan. The two of them played together. And you say a word. Each of you say a word. And then you try to narrow it down so you both end up saying the same word. It sounds like this. One, two, three. Sunglasses. Sunglasses and window. One, two, two, three. three. Looking. Looking and sunlight. One, One, two, three. Sunglasses. Sunglasses and blind. One, two, three. Walking Walking stick. stick. (laughs) Yes. That gives me anxiety. That makes zero sense. Okay. How did they do that? I don't know how they did it, but I love it so much. So, so you, we each say a word that comes to mind. Yep. And then when that word is said, yep. we have to quickly tie those together and come up with a word yep. until we both are saying the same thing. So listen, Mr. Yeah. Anxiety, you just sit and chill for a second. Okay. Abby and I are going to go first this time, okay? okay. All right. So <clears throat> here we go. Do you have a word in mind? I do. Okay. <sighs> One, two, three. Dinosaur. Dinosaur. What Taylor and dinosaur. <laughs> Taylor and dinosaur. How are we, we going to do this? Wow. Um, do you want to restart? No. Okay. No, that's not how the game okay. goes, no. Abby. All right, Taylor and dinosaur. Mm. Um, okay, all right, all right. I have something. You do? I do. And there is a commonality between Taylor and dinosaur. I'm, I'm excited to hear it. Okay, you ready? Okay. One, two, three. Laura. Tora. What'd you say? Laura. Laura. And what'd you say? 
Tall. Tall. Tall Laura. Yeah, because Laura Dern is in Jurassic Park and she's friends with Taylor Swift. This game is so stupid. Wow. (laughs) There's no way. Okay. Okay. Oh, we should get this one then. We should get this one? Oh, damn it. Okay, go. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Tall Laura. Okay. Ready? One, two, three. Nicole. Oh, Bejeweled. Oh, oh, because she's in the Bejeweled music video, obviously. Why didn't you both say Dern? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> Y'all going to be here for 35 rounds. Okay, um, Bejeweled and Nicole. Okay, we're oh, going to... I got one. You do? <sighs> this, this, this game is so hard. <laughs> when on, This is a TikTok game, right? It's, it was, I found it on Instagram. Do, do they, they do they also um, list the word so you can see it? No. Or it's all, okay, it's all Well, I mean, the, yeah, no, okay. they do on the screen so yeah. you can watch. So I think that's why it might be better on Instagram than it is on the radio. Do oh. they edit theirs? Because theirs happens a lot quicker. <laughs> 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 all right, Bejeweled and Nicole. All right, okay, you ready? Okay. One, two, three. Tom Travis. Cruise. <laughs> <laughs> we, both, we both said men. <laughs> what did you say? Travis. I said Tom Cruise. <laughs> both T's, both men. It's fine. Okay. Yeah, right. we got it. Okay, we're going to stop there. Okay, All so right. Mo and I? You and Mo. All right. You got to come up with a word. All right, let's do this. Can we just do these rounds and then move on? You get around, we get around, then we move on? Yeah. Okay. That's fine. You ready? <laughs> right. You ready? I need your energy to be different. Okay, okay. no, I'm ready. All right, I'm ready? Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. All right. Who's going to count us down? One, two, three. Com- Computers. Balls. Computer and balls. Okay. Okay. What? Okay. Um, all right. All right. All right. One, two, three. Mouse. Keys okay. and mouse. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Yep. Keys Come on. and mouse. Yep. One, two, three. Keyboard. Oh! Every day. <laughs> We're never doing that game again. I love that game. The Bird Show. All right, what do you have going on in your life you want to share with the Bird Show? It's kind of dramatic here. This one, I mean, she has to have an intervention with her friend because her friend is so eager to get married that she is already planning her wedding, but she's not even engaged yet. So Kristen has the email. I would read it, but I don't have an email on my page. Do y'all have an email there? I do. It was there. It is not there anymore. Yeah. Mm-mm. Oh, right, no. Stand by. Talk amongst yourselves. Just you read it, So Tommy. you don't want to play one more round? No. I'm positive. <laughs> <laughs> 100% positive. I'm looking at the schedule, and it says, insert here. And I'm assuming that's where the email is supposed to go. Is this that what is every- the friend already planning wedding? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was already put in. Okay. Okay. So my best friend has recently started planning our wedding. While planning a wedding is exciting and I'm happy for her, there's one small part of this entire thing that she is missing. A fiancé. Her boyfriend hasn't proposed to her yet. She's convinced her boyfriend will pop the question over Christmas. She's got her heart set on a fall wedding, and she firmly believes that if she waits until January or later to start planning, all her preferred venues and wedding vendors will be either booked or booked up quickly as everyone else gets engaged over the holidays. Now, I'm not exactly an expert on this stuff, but it all seems a bit crazy to me. I mean, is this even reasonable? Do other women do, other women do this? Yes. I'm Really? Yeah, we talked about it not that long ago. I'm genuinely curious to hear if this is normal. 
I want to be a supportive friend, but I'm worried that she might be jumping the gun here. Should I have an intervention with her before she starts putting down deposits mm. and making commitments, which she has mentioned doing? I'm also wondering, are those deposits typically refundable if you cancel? They aren't. I've never planned a wedding myself, so I'm pretty clueless about how all of this works. I care about her a lot, and I want her to have the wedding of her dreams, but I'm not sure if this is the right approach. Am I wrong, Caitlin? All right, uh, ladies, one eight five five Burcho. Uh, I think intervention is a strong word. Yeah. Um, how about just a suggestion? <laughs> <laughs> how about just a chat. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Um, but is this something that you would sit a friend down for? Um, it de- see, it totally, this is dependent upon the relationship. And we have talked about this. It was a while ago, but not too long ago, where a woman was getting roasted on TikTok or had gone viral because she had started planning the wedding. But the boyfriend was in the know about it. Like, she had a particular venue that she wanted. So she booked it prior to them getting engaged, whatever. And then there were other stories of women who plan their weddings without having the ring on their finger. So, yeah, it definitely happens. But if you have... S- if you and your, um, I almost called him the fiance and he's not even the fiance yet. If you and your boyfriend have had serious talks about being married and getting engaged and you know that that is the path you're on and you both are of that understanding, I sincerely don't see anything wrong with this. Yeah, I don't think you need to sit her down unless she's like really Delulu. Like if she's only been dating this guy for three months and yeah. she's conjured up some kind of scenario where mm-hmm. he's going to propose over Christmas, that's one thing. Then you do need an intervention and maybe a psychiatric ward. But <laughs> if, if this is like the guy she's been dating for two years and like you said, Chris, and if they've had discussions, even to the point where, you know, those couples where they're not engaged, but they call each other fiancés, if they're at that point, then I think all you need to suggest to her is that maybe she get a better idea if it's actually happening or if it's just some kind of scenario she's conjured up in her mind. Morgan wants in on this. Hey, Morgan. Hey, good morning. Good morning. What's up? Um, not much. I think that it is not uncommon. I do think that a lot of girls do this. Um, I think it's a little weird personally. That's just my opinion. But I do think that overall, like, I mean, this is not like, something that's that unheard of, especially for girls. Um, it depends on their relationship, like Kristen said. But I think that uh, it's a little weird, but it's not like unheard of. Because so, I'm superstitious. I feel like you're putting mm, the cart before the horse. Right? And yeah, I would hard. be like, I, I would think I would jinx it, um, which is why I wouldn't do it. So let's look at this business wise for just one second. Mm-hmm. So she's planning on putting all these deposits down before she even has a day. So you lock in these venues, what have you, and then you can't get that deposit back if he doesn't propose? It depends on the venue. So I'm assuming here, I don't think, I wouldn't even say she's putting a lot of deposits down. I think she wants a fall wedding. She knows where she wants to get married. So she wants to secure a date next fall at the venue she wants. The longer you wait, the more likely those dates are going to be eaten up. So she thinks he's going to propose here in a couple months. Why not go ahead? And if there is a date that's available in the fall at the venue you want, go ahead and book that venue. Some venues, you can hold a date for a certain period of time and then, you know, different deposits. Others, they'll have a time limit. Like if you cancel it by this time, we'll give it back. Others have, you will not get your deposit back. So guy's perspective here for just one second, Mo. So you're going out with a girl and then you do propose, but you found out after you proposed that she had already locked in all of these dates, right? Mm -hmm. How are you feeling about it? It, it would be a little weird to me that she had that level of confidence and that that was going to happen before it did. But if I already proposed, I would see it as, like, good for you. Would you? you? Yeah, I wouldn't be mad at it. Uh, it would be off-putting to me. 
I mean, it's not a deal breaker. It would just be off-putting. Even if you, I, it would only be off-putting to me if I didn't propose and you did that. Then it would be like, what are you doing? But if I actually proposed, I would just feel like maybe she saw it coming. The Bird Show. You guys want to have a nice, superficial, romantic debate yeah. real quick? Oh, let's do it. Okay. So I was talking to a friend the other day, and let me ask you this. So you've got, you have to choose one or the other, right? Is it better to get romantically involved with somebody that's been a friend for a long time, or is it better to get romantically involved with somebody you just met? I prefer the latter. Someone you just met. Yeah. Why is that? Because um, I don't disagree with you. Because it's like that instant, ah, uh, it feels like there's more, God, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like more chemicals, intoxication, the newness. The newness, the intoxication, because the other has built up, so it's been done steadily over time, where this other one just, bam, smacks you in the face. <laughs> and you're like, ooh, who is this person? I want to bed them. Oh. <laughs> save that. You better save that. <laughs> Whereas with a friend, and I, I do think like long-lasting relationships can come from friendships for sure, but I feel like romantic it's just, it's sexier and more intoxicating hmm. when it's a person that you haven't know. had a history with. I don't know. That's because we really are talking about, no, I don't think we are talking about two different things. Like, like long-term health of a relationship, right? If you're going to, if you're looking at it long-term, is it better to start from scratch or somebody that you know, as opposed to like lusty? I don't know. I want to see the stats. There what has to be stats on this. What this, this. For me, it's one of those situations where I I feel like what I want is not the better thing. Like, I think it's healthier to build a relationship from a friendship because mm-hmm. you already got the friendship part covered, which is one of the most important parts of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Which that's So that's already solid. So it just seems like it would be healthier yeah. to go that route. But something always seems like it's missing when you go into it that way. I don't know what it is. It's like a fire that's missing because y'all didn't have that instant connection. And that's why I think I'd prefer the latter. Well, you had an instant connection, just not an instant romantic spark. I think that instant romantic spark is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. Like with my husband, um, you know, even though the very first time we hung out, there wasn't an instant romantic spark. But there was for him. There, 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 yes, there was for him. You're damn right, there, there was. Absolutely, there was for him. Um, but on our very first date, absolutely. Like, I will never forget that kiss as long as I live. Like, it's the greatest kiss of my life. Oh, damn. Spicy. Yeah. Sexy. Okay. Yeah, I'm in the same boat as Mo where I feel like the thing that I want, which would to be see somebody across the bar and you lock eyes and everything slows down and doves come out. Everybody doves. wants that. You know, that's sort of a picture. Doves, maybe a little slow jazz in the background. I thought maybe fog machines. I didn't see doves coming. No, fog is very, is giving very much horror film. Oh, my bad. It's giving very much I'm about to get murdered. That's a very different genre. Maybe, maybe some some rain starts to trickle down like everybody wants that but i think if if you if i'm given two options and you said abby you've got to be married to somebody tomorrow and you've got to make a smart choice i'm choosing the friendship because i feel like that's yeah, a safer bet right so there really are two different things the yeah. lusty thing versus the long term but we're all in agreement that long term health is better with a friend I think so. I don't know. You think I don't. Well, it dep- I mean, as long as you're both into each other, that's the problem we've come we've come across on this show time and time again is people who catch feelings for friends. Mm-hmm. How often do both people catch right. feelings and it's not one or the other? Right, because one because mm. the common 
Um, the common theory is like, look, if you guys were attracted to each other, one, it, it would have happened already. Yes. On the other side, though, how many how often do people get in relationships and fall in love, but then realize later that I love this person, but I don't like this yeah. person? Ooh. <laughs> right? yeah. That happens a lot. The so, friendship aspect yeah. is not there. So there is no true answer, but. <laughs> hey, Katie. Hi, Bert. What y'all stressed about, man? <laughs> stressed about impressing your aunt? Yeah. And not your mom? Yeah, me, yeah, my but mom. It's a, but it's a complicated relationship. It's very complicated. So basically, I have my parents, and that's my mom and my aunt. Um, <laughs> I, I love my dad, too, but, you know, he wasn't there for the important years. So. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what it is. Exactly. So with my mom, I always have received a certain type of love and affection of, I'm proud of you. Mm-hmm. You know, it's the little things that she'll be proud of me about. I made it home safely. I'm proud of you. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> things like that. And she's always showered me with love. So I never felt like I needed to prove myself to her, even being her only child, right? Mm-hmm. I, that, me and my mom, great when it comes to that. However, my aunt, I always felt that I needed to prove something to her growing up. Like she's the stricter parent, right? The more stern, the, all right, Katie, you came home with straight A's, but Mm -hmm. could this A have been even higher? (laughs) You know, like (laughs) that type of level. And that's how I grew up. Mm -hmm. And watching her, I always aspired to like live the way she did. I'm like, when I grow up, the success my aunt has is the success I want to have. Like I want to follow in her little footsteps, every little thing and everything she taught me. I took it in and I absorbed everything where I'm like, I have to prove that I can do and be the better version of her. Right. And so growing up, I always felt that what I didn't, I, it wasn't good enough. Like she never said that she's proud of me as much as I had wanted her to Mm -hmm. for little things that I thought were accomplishments. It wasn't like that. It was like, all right, this is how you can do better. So when I finally made what I thought is a, a an achievement in my life, which is getting basically my dream car, mm-hmm. I was I was very excited. It's just recently happened, right? Uh huh. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, like I did it. I'm, I'm 29, and I was able to actually get what I want. This is a huge accomplishment. My mom's like, I'm proud of you, and she was there f- for every little step. And I called my aunt, and I'm like, oh my gosh, right? Excited mm-hmm. to tell her. And when I told her and I called her and I told her, hey, I did this. I did it. Are you proud of me? Like, that's what I'm looking for. It was silence. And it was, well, why did you think you needed to get that car? Mm. Mm. That's deflating. Ouch. Don't you hate when you're so excited about something and you tell somebody and all you just want is for them to be excited for you. And then you get that response. Yeah. Practical people suck. Mm. (laughs) Well, it's not practical. It's not always practical people. It's also miserable people who do that. (laughs) Practically miserable people. (laughs) (laughs) And it was very deflating because it's like, I I did it. Like I followed in your footsteps. You tell me how to get to point A to point B to point C. And I did it. Everything like, and I, I did it on my own. I didn't ask you for anything or and you're just like, that's my type of car that you needed. You didn't, no, no, why didn't you just stick with this? Like, she was just so, like, blah about it. And dismissive. And mm-hmm. very dismissive. Oh. But you but you know your aunt, so there must have been a, she must have been concerned about something. Because she wouldn't purposely deflate you, right? That's what I was thinking, that maybe it was, like, a genuine concern. Mm-hmm. But, however, when I got off that phone call with her, she immediately called my mother and was like, why did you think that Katie needed this type of car? She's not old enough to have this type of car. Oh, come what, on now. What? What? Mm. what, what? Well, how, how old are you supposed to be? <laughs> if, if you can afford it. Hey, you're 29, right? Yes. Okay, so 
Hold on a second. Let me Google it. Is, 20, <laughs> is 29 a grown-ass woman? <laughs> yep, says it is. Yeah. Okay. So then she has this conversation with my mother, like, why did you, Katie's not even old enough to have this type of car? So then I started to think, is it because you think that I'm catching up to you too soon? Mm. Because the type of car I got is the type of car she also has. Mm. Like, I really am trying to follow in her every little footstep. But, mm-hmm. And it there just it hurts because it's like... Why wouldn't you be proud of your child? Like to I, yeah, me, I'm yeah. her child. So why, it's like, why is the same car the thing for you? Because you said there it is. I feel like it's projection. I I I think when I'm in listening to it, it just reminds me of like one of what I believe to be one of the most painful lessons I've ever learned was um the saying that when people are happy to see you happy, I mean successful until they believe that you're more successful than them. Sometimes that even comes from family mm. and friends and. For some odd reason, I've learned in my life that they, people will say, I've worked hard so that it would be easier for you. But then when it's easier for you, <laughs> they remind you of how easy it was and they don't like it. Oh, that's solid. So it's like, well, which one is, is true? Well, so uh, d- did you ask her, like, in that conversation where you're like, why? You're, you're like, you're my aunt. You're my second mom. Why aren't you happy for me? No, because at that time that I was having the conversation with her, I was on my way to meet you all <laughs> for, <laughs> for an event we had. So yeah. I didn't have that time to actually ask her that. And then I asked my mom and she asked her that okay. and she didn't. Can I throw something out there? Uh-huh. And I, you know, obviously the only person that's going to know what she was thinking is her. But you live in the house she owns, correct? Mm-hmm. Do you pay? And you don't, rent, yeah. Yeah, you do pay rent. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Well then, hmm, I don't know. <laughs> I, I think you talked to her. Yeah. Well, I haven't spoken to her since. We haven't had a conversation since that day. And I know it it's hurts. It's going on a week. Yeah. And, and I don't, I, I think this conversation is being blown up in your head more than it has to be. Mm. I think you could just tell her that you got your feelings hurt. Yeah. And it starts there. Yeah. I, I, that's how I would, if I were you, I would reach out and be like, hey, I was really excited about getting this car and I was really proud of myself. And your reaction really hurt my feelings. And I'm just wondering what? Why you're not happy mm-hmm. for me? Mm-hmm. And that'll open up some dialogue, and maybe she she'll do. Just some. prepare yourself. You may get an answer that you don't want. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. The Bird Show. We're gonna call him Doug here. He regrets asking his wife for a divorce, and is wondering from your guys' perspective, is it too late? She won't talk to him. Uh, he wants to be on the Voice of Sky. Sir. Hey, Doug. Good morning. Hey, how's it going? All right. Okay. Bring us up to uh, speed here. Give us the history, why the divorce, why the reversal in your mind and your heart over it. Tell us everything. Sure. So, yeah, so we were together about 14 years. We, um, uh, let's see. So we, um, so I spoke with her about, you know, helping out around the house. And um, we had bought a larger home uh, about four years uh, before the end of our marriage. Uh, we went from a small condo about uh, 500 something square feet to 2,800 square feet, you know. And um, at that point, she actually ended up getting laid off right away, uh, which is no problem. Um, but uh, because our finances were in a great space, place or whatever, so and we had no kids or anything like that. So uh, during that, uh, during the last four years, um, and most of the marriage, she just maintained like doing the kitchen or really doing the dishes and helping out with administrative, you know. Uh, writing checks or something like that or, mm-hmm. you know, anything administrative around the house or whatever. So during that time, she had nothing that she had to us obligated to do. She may have come to my office and helped out a little bit. I own my own business. Um, but meanwhile, I'm working 16 hours a day. I'm, uh, I paid off the house in 18 months. Um, uh, boy, 
cars, bought, uh, paid off, made sure we stayed debt free. Um, I also cleaned the house um, while still working at least 16 hours a day. Um, like she didn't like cleaning bathrooms. I had no problem with that. You know, I did that. I did home improvements, home repairs. Uh, I even bought a little vacuum to run around the house um, to clean the house and such. Um, and um, uh, during that time, uh, you know, I just asked her to help out with 50% of the household work, which seemed rather reasonable. She had no job and I was working like crazy and doing everything else. So, which, you know, probably still wouldn't hit 50%. But, um, um, you know, I just felt unappreciated, unloved, and uh, taken for granted. Um, so one day I was just like, um, you know, I was really frustrated uh, through that, especially the last conversation we had. She's like, oh, I thought we'd have a housekeeper by now. So I was, like, confused and frustrated at that point. So um, so between that and, of course, our bedroom life, you know, but, you know, we spoke about that. A little change, but, you know, bedroom life is also an issue. But but I think more, you know, being a partner was more of a problem for me, uh, for her, uh, with her. And um, so I was extremely frustrated. And it may not even sound divorce-worthy to you guys, but, um, yeah, so I asked for a divorce at that point. Um, and during that time, you know, we, you know, she was, you know, she was talking about going to counseling, but it just never happened. And a lot of it, uh, I think even we had, like, you know, even from COVID stress and, you know, a lot happened during those four years. But, um um, and during that time we split finances, you know, 50, 50. Um, and, um, so, but then the funny thing is I ran into her one day and she goes, um, Oh, she wouldn't speak to me after we got divorced. Um, a little after, you know, divorcing or whatever. Um, she just would not speak to me whatsoever. So I ran into her and she tells me I took everything, which is kind of crazy because we split everything. Um, and, um, she may be talking about things around the house or, you know, household goods, maybe. I'm not sure. But um, we didn't really have a full conversation because, you know, we talked for a little bit. Well, we didn't talk. I kind of walked behind her talking to her, and she just gave me this attitude and told me I took everything, and which is crazy because, you know, like she's in a great financial position, or should be. I don't know what she's doing now, but, you know, she drives off in her almost $100,000 car talking about I, I took everything. Like, are you freaking crazy? Whatever. So it's just such a, a, an ironic situation there. So, um, you know, at this point, um, I'm just like, you know, um, you know, double, you know, thinking back and like, should I have divorced or should I, you know, was I, you know, frustrated? Was it, you know, you know, what was going on at that time? I had really a lack of sleep at that time as well because I was working like crazy and, you know, some days, you know, I might be working for sleeping for four hours a day, you know, uh, but now, um, I'm retired and, um, this is just, uh, six months later and, um, you know, just thinking about everything and uh, I'm thinking, you know, should I be trying to work on things? Should I reach back out? And I've reached out to her multiple times. She doesn't communicate with me in any way. Um, and, um, yeah, so I'm not trying mm -hmm. to be like the crazy ex or anything like that, reaching out to her, but, you yeah. know. All right, so hold on one second. Okay, that's a lot of details. So why the change in attitude? Because if you want her back, um, even though she's not taking your calls or whatever, there's – there, there has to be a solid, solid reason for her to open her heart back up, and that might be gone. You know, there are just some people that once that's done, it is done, and there is no U-turn. So, why the why the change now? Yeah, just looking back at everything, uh, maybe it wasn't big enough of an issue, and we should have done counseling. Um, so I think just everything moved really fast. The divorce just—I mean, it was it, it was online, and it was just kind of like, you know, judge popped up two minutes later, we're divorced. You know, um, and it was just like, 
within a couple months of filing, you know, and during that time we had a lot going on. Um, um, so we've never argued. It was a great relationship when I look back at it. Um, we never had, you know, when I say, you know, people always surprise me and say, we never argued. We never, you know, fought, fought about stuff. We just talked about stuff, figured it out together. And we had a great partnership, but you know, with that outside of, you know, everybody's like, oh, you should just hire the housekeeper and such. But it was really about, hold on one sec. Hold on. on. Cause Kristen is looking at her mic very skeptically. So I, I do think we tend to misremember or not misremember, but we choose to remember what we want to remember of the past, right? And you say it happened very fast, and I'm sure the divorce did, but you said this was four years, four years of you asking her to contribute more, not financially, just help. You're, you explained, um, and I'm, I'm just going to go by that you're being honest with us, 16-hour days, you're doing the house maintenance, you're doing a majority of the, ha- you know, the home, the housework, she wanted a housekeeper, um, she was unemployed at the time. So when you say you feel like you were taking, you know, you're being taken for granted or taken advantage of, I mean, if all this is accurate, you, you were. So, um, while you may not have had like drag out fights or arguments, if you look at this person for four years and she never stepped up to help, you got severely taken advantage of. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but like I said, we were together for 14 years. I know. Together. Um, and um, during that time, I mean, granted, we were in a smaller space. So it was like one bedroom, one bathroom, one kitchen, you know, so. But now we moved into this larger property with land and everything else. And it's just like, you got to help out. You got to help more. Look, Doug, the, the, the details yeah, even. I'm taking advantage of, but we should have gone to counseling. The details are almost um, inconsequential you know. here, man. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, if you want your lady back, you yeah. know, because I agree with Kristen 100%. But if you want your lady back, man, calling a radio station and asking what you should do is not going to cut it. You got to get over to that house and knock on the door, man, and tell her how you feel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. seriously. Yeah. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Well, I'm trying not to have any conflict either. You know, you know I don't want anything to blow up into something else. And, you know. Is she dating anybody else right now? I mean, I don't think so. Okay. Um, I, doubt, I strongly doubt it. Look, if I'm you... And, and we're on limited time here, so we got to take off. But if I'm you, I'm going over there, I'm knocking on the door, and I'm showing her that, look, I've rethought this thing through. Maybe we made a mistake. I'm willing to go to counseling here. And She's more mad about the I took everything kind of thing, which is what she said. She's like, I'm not mad. It's not the divorce. I feel like you took everything, which is just absurd. Yeah, you, it's irrelevant if you want it back. You got to go over there, like Bird said, and just knock on the door and yep. pull your heart out. Not mad about missing you. She's mad about missing the things. Why do you want her back? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we could do that for half an hour here. Yep. That's, that's longer than what Doug. we have time for. <laughs> well, he also said that he's retired now, so maybe he's got some more time. He's I thinking know. it. Now he's maybe a little bit on the lonely side. That's but the bottom line doesn't even matter. You want your lady back, you got to knock on the door and say, I want you back. I screwed things up. It's the Bird Show. The Burt Show. All right, you're going into the weekend, so here's your reminder. We are hooking you guys up with a brand new Mercedes-Benz for just $100. How is that possible? Ooh. It's our uh, annual raffle from RBM of Alpharetta, who is gracious enough to give us a brand new Mercedes. And they're like, hey, Burt Show, you guys need this for Burt's Big Adventure? The trip you take down to Disney World every year? With kids that have chronic and terminal illnesses? Go ahead, take our brand new car for only 100 bucks. Yeah, this is the sixth year in a row that RBM of Alpharetta 
Beretta has hooked us up with a brand new Mercedes-Benz. And the one that's up for grabs this year, a 2023 Mercedes-Benz GLA 250 SUV. Like Bert said, raffle tickets are only 100 bucks, And we have capped the tickets. You have a 1 in 2,500 chance in winning. So those are really good odds. And here's the deal. We have less than 750 left, probably less than 500 at this point. Um, it's going to sell out before the end date, which is um, next Wednesday, October 25th. So if you want in on this incredible opportunity, make sure to go to birdsbigadventure.org or thebirdshow.com. All right, Candace here is saying that um, there's going to be too many people in the delivery room here, and it's a little bit shocking. <laughs> and she is not real happy about it at all. Candace, you're on The Voice Disguiser. Good morning. Good morning. How are you guys? Fantastic. Thank you. Okay, so do tell this is your fiance's best friend. Yeah, so my fiance's best friend, who is pregnant, um, she does not, well, the dad isn't around. So she asked my fiance, would he be willing to be in the room with her? And I mean, I feel bad for her and everything like that, but I just feel like that's a process that should be between two people that are going to be really attached to the baby's life. Hmm. My fiance is not going to be around like that. So I feel like that's a special, meaningful moment. And I also feel like it should be experienced between me and him for the first time, you know, and I, I need to like, let him know that I really don't want him to do that. Cause I feel like it's taking something special away from me. Yes, you know what I'm saying? And so, I mean, I know people may disagree. I understand that, but I just kind of feel like I need to tell him no. So I just want to know how to like, tell him no. And if there's any other, like, Maybe some solutions I could follow up behind that, possibly, so the no doesn't feel so bad. You I, don't know? Think, I don't think anybody's going to disagree with you. Kristen's like, I disagree. You do? Okay, oh, go wholeheartedly. For it. Go yeah. for it. Um, as and I'm as I'm someone who gave birth. It it wasn't unfortunately like um, a vaginal birth because little Jimmy was stubborn and he was sitting breech. So I ended up doing a C-section. But I've been in the delivery room. My best friend um, gave birth to her first daughter, her first child, and. I, I don't see how it's going to take away from you and your fiance. That's a completely different situation. His, like, you know, his first child is going to be so special with you. Um, this is a best friend in need. And she doesn't have, like, that is one of the scariest times and scariest moments in a woman's life when you are giving birth. And you need somebody there that you can trust and you can lean on. And if he is indeed a best friend, who could potentially be a godfather to this child? So he is, I don't see how, like, how he wouldn't be an active participant in the child's life. If that's his best friend, you will be in some capacity. Like, I think for him to be there and for you to not only okay it, but embrace it and encourage it would be a beautiful gift to her. All right, hold on one second, because I think I might have had... It, this twisted from the start. So use a real life example here with everybody in studio. Um, okay, so this is saying like um, Mo and uh, um, Katie, if Katie was in labor. Yes, Katie's in labor. Yeah, Katie's in labor, and um, the even though she's a lesbian, the father is not in the picture. <laughs> right, the father's not in the picture, yep. and she wants Mo to right. be in the delivery room with her. But Mo is engaged to another woman, and she's like, "No, you can't Abby. be in the delivery room with Katie." She's so he's engaged to Abby, and Abby's like, "No, you can't be." In Absolutely, there. you can't do that, Mo. Uh, right? <laughs> okay, now I see what you're saying. Yeah, I, um, I feel like no, if that's your best friend. And again, you know, it's it's so scary. And to have to go through that alone, you want somebody there that you you love and you trust to be a support system. 
And I just, I don't see how it would detract or take away from any, you know, future births. Like, that's just, to me, that's comparing apples and oranges. one eight five five Birch Show. Candace, what's your real problem with this? That it's too intimate of a situation and you should be involved in it? Or you're thinking, like, somehow, someway, it's almost, like, sexual because he's in well, there with... Was- not really, no. It's They've never been romantic. I just kind of feel like me and her have never been close. And I kind of feel like since our wedding is getting closer, like she just kind of sprung this on him. And I, it's like an attention thing from her because she's no longer the center of his attention. And I hate for it to be about this with her birth. But I also feel like this is a thing between me and her. You know what I mean? Like, she's not really a fan of mine, and I'm not really a fan of hers. And so I feel like she did this. When she does have people that could be in the room with her, her mom can be there, her aunts can be there. I mean, she has other friends as well, but she asked him specifically. So I feel like it's a slight towards me. So you feel like it's calculated? Like, it's not about him being there for her, it's about her trying to get at you? Right, right. Because okay. our wedding's coming up and I'm, you know, I'm more the center of attention for him than she is at this point. Okay. What that's a different think? take. What do you think? Uh, it's tough for me to say what I would do if I was in your fiance's shoes um, without knowing the true dynamic of all of the relationships, especially what you put in, in the calculated part of it. But I, I do know that if I were in that situation and we are talking about my best friend, like top tier friend, um, it, my fiance would have a difficult time making me feel like I shouldn't be there for my best friend. And I I, I probably would want to do it. And I think ultimately if my fiance didn't want me to, I wouldn't because that would be more important to me. But I wouldn't be the happiest about you putting me in that position if I were honest. Yeah, Candace, I know exactly how you feel. When a woman makes a calculated move against you, There's just it just rubs you the wrong way. So I completely understand where you're coming from in the sense where you feel like this is almost like a power move on her part. However, I do think if you allow your fiance to be in the room with her, I do think it's going to backfire in a very specific way. But also, I do think that he will be um, he'll be more prepared going into your birth if you let him do it the first time with like, let this be let this be the the practice (laughs) round. That's not going to fly. I do think that there's something else also like the two of you guys, if this is the best friend are going to have to figure out a way to coexist. Yeah. Or there's going to be a lot of resentment yeah. on Certainly. your man's part. Uh, here is Melissa. Good morning. You're on the Burt Show. Hi. Good morning, guys. Um, I just feel like with what Kristen was saying, it is really scary. But, and you need someone you can trust, but also someone you know that will advocate for you in that situation when you may not be able to advocate for yourself. So if she feels like the best friend is who she can trust to do that, I kind of feel like that's more important than any kind of power dynamic they have going on there. Mm, the baby is most important. Yeah. Mm. Right. Right. All right. Final uh, Final opinion. I think you be the bigger person and you encourage him to do so and to be there for her. And that way she has nothing to hold over you. I don't think anything bad's going to come out of it. I completely agree. Yeah. Let him get all his mistakes in her delivery room out of the way. And then he'll be a better partner for you when it comes around. I think this if this is truly a calculated move on her part and she has other people in the family that can be there, I say, uh uh-uh. Really? Yep. Mm -hmm. If this is a play and she really is trying to get to Candace, 
We don't know. We haven't seen it. But if this is really more of a manipulation than anything else, I wouldn't allow it. Ooh, Candace, you know what you can do? Be like, hey, if you're going to be there, I'm going to be there too. And you can make it like a group effort. Hey, a tailgate Ooh. in there. Oh, yeah. 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 Bring a little grill in there. Bleachers. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like With a good George time. George Foreman over in the yes. corner. Yes. The Burt Show.